Hey guys, Nathan here from the Golden Homers Podcast. When I'm cooking dinner or grilling on the weekends, I want to use what great chefs use in their steakhouses, exceptional quality meats. Meetup Vegas is my hookup. Meetupvegas.com. That's M-E-A-T, meet, meetupvegas.com. Their specialty meat packs come with veal cutlet, pork chops, and extra meaty pork baby back ribs or prime rib. And you already know meetupvegas.com is known for its unreal steaks. All the meat is individually vacuum sealed to maintain absolute freshness for 200 plus days in your freezer. And it's cheaper than you think. Check it out now at meetupvegas.com and use code IRISH10 at checkout to receive $10 off your first order. Welcome in to another edition of the Golden Homers podcast. Uh, this is you, uh, one of your co-hosts, Nathan, um, you know, here with you this week. I got Mason on the line as well. Um, obviously a huge week for, for Notre Dame uh, for a lot of reasons. You know, USC week's a huge deal around, uh, around the South Bend area, um, around the SoCal area. But not only that, but, a, you know, just a huge visitor list. You know, we're, we're back into to huge visitor lists. And we haven't had that in, a, you know, just several, several years, it feels like. But it's really only been just the one season in 2020 due to COVID. Um, you know, but no, Notre Dame basketball. Also got a huge commitment uh, last week from J.J. Starlin, so we'll talk about that. Um, you know, and then we're going to try out some new things. Mason brought to my attention um, a, a cool idea, buy or sell, kind of like an over-under of sorts. Um, and, and we'll, we'll kind of throw that your guys' way um, as well this week. But, but a loaded podcast, a lot to talk um, which is, you know, just interesting coming off of a bye week. Um, but with this Notre Dame program specifically this year, um, it, it's entertaining almost every day. How you doing today? And uh, we'll, we'll get right into this. Yeah, doing really well and for anything. I know there's going to be a lot of people, people we've met through through Twitter. Uh, John from Always Irish is going to be out. So excited to meet him, hang out with him and get my tailgate on, man. I'm excited. There's a certain energy around the, around the city, around campus when USC comes to town. I think it's a, it's a shared hatred, but everybody seems to come together and it's a really good time and hoping to, hoping to get a ticket to go into the game myself. So just really excited for this week. That's what's getting me through the work week is looking forward to looking forward to USC and really looking forward to hearing how all these visits go. I can't wait to talk about them. Yeah, and I know you uh, you offered up for me to come out, and I wish I could be there. Um, you certainly know the the Notre Dame USC rivalry, at least from that standpoint, being in South Bend a lot more than I have, uh, or a lot more than I do, I should say. Um, I've been to plenty of Notre Dame USC games, but they've unfortunately all been um, at USC just because it's you know a four or five hour drive, um, and and I think that's the one thing that as a Notre Dame fan I hate is that I can't. I don't always get to experience just that Notre Dame uh, vibe and not just from a Notre Dame USC rivalry standpoint, but just in general, the fact that you've grown, grown up there in that area. Um, that's one thing that I, you know, I guess to a certain extent I'm jealous of because um, I don't get to see it as much um, in the Vegas area. I mean, I, I have friends and just different things like that, that are Notre Dame fans, um, you know, and family obviously that are Notre Dame fans, but it, it's it's one thing, like you said, to kind of just be around the area and have like an anticipation, um, you know, during the work week where you probably work with a lot of Notre Dame fans as, as well. So um, jealous, jealous that you get to experience that this weekend and that you get to experience it almost every weekend. But I'll be out there in November and uh, we'll have a good time. Yeah, I can't wait for that, man. I think a lot of people. 
around here, specifically people my age, maybe take it for granted. I think just being around the South Bend area or even like the Northern Indiana, Michigan area, you know, if you're a Notre Dame fan, I think people take it for granted and don't realize like the magnitude of, of what Notre Dame is, what the Notre Dame football program is and how lucky you are to be around it. Like constantly, you know, it's a 10 minute drive down the road for me. And some people, you know, they grow up in other states, other countries, and it's, you know, it's their dream to head out to a Notre Dame game. And it's right down the road for me. I get free tickets occasionally, just people that don't want to go. And that doesn't happen to people that, you know, you, when you come in for the Georgia Tech game, you have to play months in advance. So I, I feel really fortunate to be able to do that kind of thing. And uh, I certainly take advantage of it. Yeah. And one thing I'm kind of interested in and not, this isn't like a cocky thing, but uh, and I'm sure you've experienced it a little bit as well. But one thing I'm looking forward to is just like, I want to see if that like one guy or, or whoever recognizes me just from like maybe our podcast or, or my, our time at, um, you know, at Irish breakdown or your time with rivals or just kind of like our Twitter, um, you know, handles and stuff like that. We have a decent following that would be a pretty cool moment if someone's like, Hey, like, you know, I recognize you. And I, so I'm, I'm, I'm interested to see if that happens. Cause I haven't been out to, uh, I haven't been out to South Bend since, you know, I've kind of grown my grown the following and stuff like that. Yeah. I'm definitely curious. I think it's happened to me once or twice, but nothing where anybody's like super excited or anything. It would be cool. Yeah. I doubt but, it. <laughs> uh, yeah. Well, we'll see what happens for sure. I'm, I'm excited. And uh, if it does happen, you know, maybe people have some questions. I'm, I'm excited. Maybe people recognize us from the pot. I know it's a, it's a relatively new thing, but uh, you know, we're, we're growing steadily and I'm happy with where we're at. And we'll probably throw a podcast together while, while I'm out there. Um, Just, and that might even, maybe we'll get some better auto quality out of it too, because we can record it it differently and stuff like that. But um, well, let's get right into it. Um, I want to kind of get the basketball stuff out of the way first, just because of how big the weekend is recruiting wise, um, you know, and the rivalry. Um, But I don't want to gloss over this as it's like not a big deal because I think Notre Dame um, and Mike Bray specifically landing JJ Starling. I mean, you could argue that that's the, maybe the biggest get of his career. Um, I mean, Demetrius Jackson, I think we both agree was, was one of them. Um, But him being a local kid, um, you know, even though, yeah, it's great to win in your backyard. That's something that even for Notre Dame basketball, that's not a blue blood like Duke, North Carolina, Kentucky, Kansas, whatever. You got to land those kids in your backyard sometimes. And they did that last year when they when they landed Blake Wesley and, and, and J.R. Konietzny, um from the South Bend area. But but landing a kid that's originally from New York. Yes, he's playing about 45 minutes away from campus um, at La Lumiere. Um it's still it still didn't have the vibe of a hey this is the local kid you have to win this recruitment you know you had Syracuse on him you had Duke on him you had a lot of blue you had a lot of just major major basketball programs on him um and so I would argue that this maybe is the best win of Mike Bray's uh, tenure at Notre Dame no I agree totally and I I know rankings aren't everything he is the highest rated and I think it's definitely just uh, Demetrius Jackson was huge. And that's another thing. Speaking of, you know, living in the area, I got to watch him in high school when I, w- I was in middle school, I believe, but playing against the the high school where I went to playing against uh, Austin Torres actually was wild uh, seeing two guys that, you know, Torres might not have been actual D one quality, but um, he made it work and just watching two guys that stood out above the rest that ended up playing at Notre Dame was super cool. But yeah, I mean, I, I can't wait to see JJ Starling. He's a guy that, 
he he can turn a program around himself. That's a huge win for Notre Dame. It's hard to even put into words how big that really is for the program and showing Mike Ray's dedication. People were kind of calling for his head, calling for his job, and he seems like he's he's set on continuing the Notre Dame program, and he's had a couple of good classes in a row. Now it's time to, to get back to the tournament on a regular basis, make this program what it should be, and then get, you know, get back to a Sweet 16 or something, get that momentum cranking up again. Right. Absolutely. And just and just if anybody doesn't know who J.J. Starlin is um, and, and, you know, has, or hasn't seen the news, um, he's a he's a combo guard. Like I said, originally out of um, out of the New York area, transferred to La Lumiere for his senior season, um, ranked 33rd in the country on the 24 seven composite, which I think is just a few spots higher than than guys like Demetrius Jackson can be shied. Um, and, and some others that have that have come to Notre Dame, at least in the rankings process era. I mean, I know Bray landed some guys early in his tenure um, that that were probably around that as well. That that just didn't have the um, the twenty four seven sports didn't have their rankings yet. But like I mentioned, offers from Duke, Maryland, Syracuse, Alabama, Miami, Stanford, St. John's. So just a lot of really good programs. And, and like I said, it, I don't want to gloss over this. Um, you know, or his, his commitment to the program. Um, Cause it really is at least from a, especially because of the last few years, you know, with the program being somewhat down um, you know, that th- this was a big get, They've, there's been some questions on the recruiting front. There's been some questions, whether Mike Bray is sort of, you know, his head or, or his heart isn't really in the program anymore and that he would be gone soon. Um, but I think landing a kid like this demonstrates that, you know, you know what, maybe this is sort of like a, a second life uh, for Mike Bray and his staff. Um, And and by the way, bringing in multiple guys that are new on the staff this year as well. Um, So, yeah, no, I mean, I think this is kind of just like that. I don't know that maybe that, that icing on the cake of sorts um, that, that has sort of completed this transition uh, uh, for Mike Bray. Yeah, I agree. I I think it's huge. And, I didn't really understand the people. I mean, of of course, the team was a little bit disappointing. I get that. But at the same time, he's working through things, and he's used to having teams that it's the get old, stay old kind of mantra, right, where he has guys he brings in that weren't necessarily super highly rated because they're playing in the ACC and there's other programs to go to. But when he does get his guys, he develops them and makes some great players. And that's why you see how how good those Jaron Grant, Pat Connaughton – Bonzi Colson, Demetrius Jackson teams were that were so fun to watch. And that's really the way that he's grown players, and that's what he's accustomed to. So I think we're really going to see a special couple teams these next two or three years, starting this year, where Mike Ray has been able to mold them into the players that he wants them to be. They have a couple years in the program now, and we're even going to see some some freshmen play this year in the two local products. So I can't wait to see Konechny, right? Uh, Tony, Tony Etchney. Yeah. That's how I, that's how I've always seen it as. Okay. I'm going to learn. And then Blake Wesley's a lot easier and they're both (laughs) studs. So I I can't wait to watch them. And two more guys that, uh, I I graduated. Well, I guess they're, I guess a couple years younger. younger, Yeah. But yeah, I remember watching them play and I went to school with their siblings. So, um, yeah, very cool for me to, to watch them and what kind of watch them grow up. Yeah, absolutely. And I think in regards to JJ Starlin specifically, and you mentioned Mike Bray's development and how he likes to stay old, but I think specifically with, with guards that can shoot um, like JJ Starlin can, I know before Ryan Ayers left the program, um, you know, somewhat suddenly there, there were, he called him the best shooting or best shooter in the country. I've heard, I've heard some rumors that uh, Shire 
over with Duke thinks the same thing. Um, so if, 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 you know, if Duke is, if, you know, if the head coach essentially at Duke is thinking the same thing, then, then, um, you know, it, it's probably at least somewhat true. Um, and so I, I would imagine that, that JJ Starlin's going to have a heck of a career at Notre Dame. Maybe it doesn't last too long. Maybe he ends up being the first guy that leaves after his freshman or sophomore season um, and, and doesn't stay until at least that junior, senior year. But he certainly has the talent to, to maybe be a one and done. Um, and you know what? If, if it happens, it happens. I'm not going to be the, the guy that, that hates on that because Notre Dame, at least in today's basketball world, probably needs more of that. Yeah, I think so, too. And it makes you it ups your pedigree of, you know, it, of course, it sucks to see a guy be a one and done, but that people see that people pay attention to that. Oh, Notre Dame's not just this program that only goes one way. You have to be there for four or five years. I can see where that's not appealing to some and open yourself up as a program to be something that, Hey, we, if you're a stud, you can come in here and play day one. You can be a guy that leaves after a year. So I just think it opens up the versatility and it just makes Notre Dame even more attractive. Absolutely. Absolutely. And then just to wrap up the basketball talk, um, Starling was the second commitment of the class. Notre Dame also has a commitment from power forward center, Dom, Dom Campbell, um, who was, uh, kind of a, I don't know if he was a surprising commit of sorts, but it happened somewhat suddenly when he did it a few months back. Um, like I mentioned, he's out of New Hampshire, also a pretty good offer list from him had offers from, you know, Boston college, Minnesota, Penn state, um, a lot of Ivy league, uh, Providence, Stanford, South Carolina, uh, VCU, Virginia Tech. So a kid that um, has kind of ro- rose um, in the rankings um, recently. Um, and I think he's a guy that complements Starling well. Um, and then that, that could end up doing it for the class, um, but they are interested in another, um, a, a, another big man out of Florida who um, uh, Van Allen Lubin, is uh, I think that's how you pronounce it. It's it's an interesting name, uh, certainly, but but another kid that's a, a top 100 product um, out of Florida, which Notre Dame has started to recruit, um, you know, that area decently. I mean, obviously John Mooney's out of there. Um, Tony Sanders, um, who who is currently on the on the uh, the roster, is is out of Florida as well. So it's it's somewhere they've been able to kind of dip their toes into over the last uh, several seasons. But uh, he's he's another one with a with a terrific offer list. And if they were to finish it out with that class, I mean, you're looking at a at a team or a, or a commit list um, that is probably going to finish in the top twenty or, or or damn near near it. And that would be the best finish since they landed uh, the five-man class a few years back. So uh, compared to a five-man class, landing the three-man class that can be in the top 20 is certainly not a small feat uh, for Notre Dame. And I think it's something that the staff should be pretty proud of coming off of a, a disappointing season. Yeah, it's a, it'd be a, I think it's, it's a testament to the staff continuing to work in getting Notre Dame back to where it should be. They, they're not done. They know where the Notre Dame basketball program should be, and it's had its ups and downs. And getting past that that class we just mentioned, um, the Demetrius Jackson, Jaron Grant, Pat Connaughton days, and just moving on and trying to get back to a team similar to that that's so deep and can contribute and win a lot of different games. So I'm excited to see kind of what they do, how what their approach is. And if they can land this three-man class, I think that's huge and builds the framework moving forward. The Golden Homers are brought to you by Generations Barbershop, a Notre Dame-themed barbershop that has been keeping Irish fans looking good since 1930. Brent and Gill are located on Lincoln Way East in Mishawaka, Indiana. Open 8 to 5 and by appointment, call or text Brent at 574 574- 
574-250-0622. That's 574-250-0622. Well, it's definitely a USD week, like we mentioned earlier. Um, and I don't know where you, where, where, where do you want to start, Mason? It, we could, we could talk about the visitor list. Um, we could talk about, maybe we can talk about the game a little bit first. Um, I, I say we probably wrap things up with the, uh, with our over under or our, um, whatever you called it <laughs> in our text messages. Um, yeah. the, um, you know, the buy or sell, but, uh, <laughs> say, I say maybe we talk a little bit about the, about the visitor list, uh, just because me and you are sort of, you know, recruiting guys. Um, at yeah, heart. let's do it. Um, but, uh, obviously huge list, a lot of 2022 commits, uh, certainly. I mean, I wouldn't say most of the class is there, but, but certainly a, a good portion of it. I think Tobias Merriweather, Joshua Burnham, Nolan Ziegler, um, Aiden Gobira, um, Eli Raritan, who just got a significant bump in the rankings today, I might add. Um, and then junior, uh, Tuli, Tui Halamaka. Nailed it. Uh, are all Look at you. <laughs> yeah, you. You get better every day, right? Yeah. Um, th- those are all guys in attendance, at least as of now. Um, and then a lot of 2022 targets who looks to maybe be trending back to Notre Dame, which is huge. Uh, Xavier uh, Nuwankpa, we've talked about him at length. I think he, maybe even in this podcast, um, a, a safety out of Iowa announced his top three schools the other day. Uh, a couple defensive linemen, Lucas out of uh, uh, the Phoenix area uh, in Arizona, and then Hiro Kanu, I believe is how you pronounce that, out of California, um, Catholic school out of California, um, and, and a big-time target for Notre Dame on the defensive line. And then I don't know if this one's been confirmed, but I think Emil Wagner, offensive tackle um, out of Ohio, uh, is scheduled to be on campus as well um, in the class of 2022. Um, and then I will leave you for for maybe the the biggest name of all. Well, uh, a one Walker Howard, uh, LSU commit. Uh, uh, the turmoil has kind of seemingly turned him away from US or USC. USC week LSU. <laughs> um, all eyes on USC apparently, but um, turned him away from LSU just a bit. And Notre Dame is kind of pouncing on that. Uh, big credit to Tommy Reese for staying on him. And getting him, getting him to campus, he should have been on campus already, if not for an injury the night before the Cincinnati game and his own football game. So him coming to Notre Dame, I believe, is for an official visit, if I'm not mistaken. And that's, that's just big time. Notre Dame already has a committed quarterback in Steve Angeli, but with Brendan Clark announcing his intention to transfer yesterday you can't blame the kid I, I hope he he does he does well he deserves it after everything he's been through at Notre Dame injury wise and um but yeah he's gonna he's gonna find success somewhere but now that leaves Notre Dame one man down in the quarterback room which lends itself to taking two in this 2022 class and if you can if you can get arguably the best quarterback in the class and Walker Howard you do it Tommy Reese has laid the groundwork now they're gonna lay out the red carpet for Walker Howard and Man, I'm excited to hear about this one. Between him and Nwankpa, there's so many big guys. Billy Shrouth on campus. These are huge names for Notre Dame that some, some like Nwankpa and Shrouth, have been on the board for months. And you, that, those are guys you've read so many articles about, just trending this way, that way, the other. And now it's it's getting down to crunch time. So this is a visit that Notre Dame has to kill. They If you stomp USC and kill these visits, I think that makes a huge impact on, on a, a lot of these guys. And, I'm just I'm so excited to hear how all these visits go. 
Yeah, and like I mentioned earlier, it's just great to have these visits back. I mean, after the COVID year, I mean, I think Notre Dame did a, a pretty damn good job at it as a staff, you know, getting a, a, a solid 2021 class um, and keeping a lot of those guys that maybe could have been trending to stay closer to home because of just, you know, COVID and, and not being able to get to campus, campus as, you know, as many times as they would have liked, certainly not being able to see the program. Um, alive is a huge deal for a lot of kids. And so, like I mentioned, landing a lot of these guys or, or having a lot of these guys on campus, it, it's never going to hurt. I mean, obviously you hear some stories here and there where a kid just has a, you know, a horrible time on, on a specific campus. But I think for the most part, Notre Dame tends to kill these visits. And like I said, doesn't necessarily mean that they're going to land every kid, but I would imagine a lot of these guys are going to have a good time. Uh, and, and in regards to Walker Howard specifically, you know, a lot of people will poo-poo this visit, you know, and say, oh, well, he's committed to LSU. His dad's an LSU, you know, or he's an LSU legacy because his dad played there. And it's like, you know, sure. I mean, I like I mentioned, like you're not going to necessarily land every kid. But if this was the other way around and Walker Howard was a Notre Dame commit visiting LSU, message boards and Notre Dame fans would be going crazy saying he's automatically flipping and so on and so forth. So I find that interesting as a, as someone who follows college football at length, that when it become when it's your players, you always want to, you freak out when they visit other schools. And, and we see this even with our friends um, oh, yeah. in our group chats and stuff like that. But then when a kid visits your school, like, yeah, you're pumped about it, but you, but you always kind of want to, you go in with caution and you, and you're like, well, maybe, maybe the kid's going to come. Maybe he doesn't probably not though. And let's just see how it all plays out. I think the, the most important thing is that Notre Dame is even able to, to get a kid on campus like Walker Howard. That is like I mentioned earlier, uh, an LSU legacy and has been committed to LSU and has been one of their biggest, um, you know, one of their biggest recruiters um, in that entire class. Um, and the fact that he's wavering, you know, maybe that class is going to fall apart. And, you know, who knows? Maybe maybe an offensive tackle from the same class will, will follow him or something. Who knows? Yeah, maybe one with uh, five stars next to his name. That'd be nice, wouldn't it? Right, right. Absolutely. And uh, Wait, on the topic of Walker Howard, something I just thought of that we hadn't mentioned off air or anything. So, Nate, you and I both covered recruiting professionally for a couple of years and we're kind of off of it now, but still follow it actively. So something that just crossed my mind, you know, it, it is, you've seen a lot of people say about Walker Howard, that he's a legacy. His dad played at LSU, this and that, but how many guys have we heard from specifically? I can't even count on either hand where, you know, these guys come from football pedigrees, right? And that's where you get your stud athletes that, that come from big families and stuff like really athletic families. This happened with a Notre Dame player. That's, starring right now as a freshman to me actually and their parents you know they maybe they go to a school or whatever and they're really successful there they seem like a lock to go to the school but the parents push for a school like Notre Dame because they know that the Notre Dame education is so great and what they can do for you after football they know that football or whatever sport isn't forever so then they see what Notre Dame can do for you after and they're like man I wish I went to Notre Dame and push their kids to do so so I think that's a huge – I mean, I don't know for sure if Walker Howard's dad is doing that at all, but I'm just right. saying I think that that's something that's that's potentially working in Notre Dame's favor because you hear – I don't know if you've heard this specifically, but I have a ton from parents saying, man, I, I wish I would have went to Notre Dame. I, I've just seen what this program, that 4 for 40 that Notre Dame pushes, what it can do for kids. Yeah, I've certainly heard it um, in the past. 
maybe not necessarily from recruits and stuff specifically, but, but you hear about it in recruiting articles and so on and so forth. And I think for as much as sometimes the education can hurt Notre Dame because maybe they can't recruit certain kids uh, just because, you know, they're not, they're not there in the classroom. Maybe the kid's interested, but you know, the, the school just can't accept them. It, it also works in the opposite. Like you mentioned is you, you have plenty of kids from, you know, Catholic private, private high schools or, or just high education kids in general, or, or parents that, that like you mentioned uh, just value um, academics incredibly high and, and they push for the, their kids to end up at Notre Dame. So yeah, Notre Dame's not always going to land the five stars, you know, that end up at Alabama, Ohio state, you know, wherever, but they certainly have at least a niche of sorts uh, of, you know, of sort of kids um, and families that, that certainly pull for, for, for Notre Dame and, and, and hope that their kids end up there one day. Yeah. Cause the, you know, they've made their own decision, which obviously was many years ago in some cases for the, these kids' parents, but at the same time, they see how the landscape of college football changes, but at the same time, some things don't change and the Notre Dame education, Notre Dame's pedigree and what it can do for, for people hasn't changed at all. And with NIL becoming more of a thing, this is something that I thought of when you, uh, when you mentioned the the visitor list was that a name like, is it Hiro Kanu, Hiro Kanu, whatever. If your first name is Hiro, can you imagine what Notre Dame can do with him from an <laughs> NIL standpoint? Yeah, it's funny, man. You get, you look back at some of the kids that have been at Notre Dame in the past, like, like golden Tate. And oh man, <laughs> um, I, I'm sure there's some others that I just can't think of, but how many NIL opportunities, um, there there are at a program like that and a, and a university specifically that's embraced it um you know i have a michigan i have a i have a buddy of mine that is a, a huge michigan fan i i know it's it's brutal but he's you know he's one of the nicer ones and there's not he, many of them so that's good. <laughs> right he and he was texting me the other day and he was saying that the the university uh, you know the the university in itself has not necessarily accepted the the nil and it's it's hurting them and i think you see that in this specific recruiting class michigan is undefeated um but they're having one of their worst classes at least from a rating standpoint you know in in a couple of years at bare minimum um and, and if notre dame was undefeated with the class that michigan has right now people would be going crazy and Absolutely. And, and it makes you wonder if it happened if it is something to do with nil um because i can tell you my friend who follows recruiting maybe not to the extent that we do he thinks it is hurting michigan um, and, and that's an interesting, it's an interesting thing to see for sure. It's weird considering, you know, I hadn't known that before, but Michigan is like Notre Dame, a huge brand in college football, a blue blood that has a major opportunity to, to capitalize on, on the NIL and have their kids capitalize on it. I just don't understand. It'd be different if it was like something the NCAA was wavering on, but this is real life. Like you got to adjust or get left behind. I can't say I hate it cause I don't like Michigan, but. At the same time, that's, that's just a weird. It's a weird stance, but that's very Harbaugh esque, I'd say. Well, the the funny thing was is he was mentioning that it had nothing to do with Harbaugh. He said the coaching staff, the players, obviously are fully on board, um, huh. but it's the the university has some pause behind it, and so yeah, we'll we'll see how that ends up playing out. Maybe maybe he's dead wrong. Maybe I'm dead wrong, but it's just definitely something I'm hearing at least in Michigan circles. Um, that I that I find interesting to say the least. Well, something's going on because their recruiting is down, and maybe that's just not an attractive program under Harbaugh at the moment. But whatever it is, I mean, I'm not again. I'm not mad about their 
their recruiting cycle not being up to up to standards considering Notre Dame goes head to head with them on a lot of targets but uh could also be Notre Dame's winning the, the battles with them for Joshua Burnham Rocco Spindler come to mind in state targets that they can't seem to land and Notre Dame is yeah Nolan Ziegler as well uh, right. comes to mind at least in recent you know or at least in this recruiting class I don't think we can we can move on to USC just yet uh we we sort of we got uh, a bomb dropped on us today when when Notre Dame or when 24/7 Sports came out with their new um 20 or 247 or their top 247 rankings list um for the year and you know it's it's funny I can't remember a time where Notre Dame had this much of a positive vibe on one specific rankings list um you know you always hear like oh like they, they hate Notre Dame. When a kid commits to Notre Dame, they drop. And I don't necessarily believe all that, um, but it does seem to be the case at times, which is interesting. And um, th- this specific rankings list, I mean, obviously some of these guys might move up on their own, on their own time or in their own time, but I, I can't remember one specific rankings update that has had this much positivity to it. Yeah, I can't either. And it was unexpected. Maybe that's just because I wasn't waiting on it. I wasn't sure when the date of it was going to come out. But yeah, we had texted about it in a group chat. And I saw a couple guys go up. I was like, oh, you know, that's cool. I like seeing a little jump. But then it was like a lot of guys jumping up. And it seems, is it like, it's like 75% of the class is in the top, like 20 or 247. That's wild. Yeah, I think 13 out of their 21 commits or whatever it is are all um, in the two. 24 seven and like not, not in the composite uh, top uh, two fifty or whatever they, they have there in the composite rankings. But I think it's in the normal 24 seven rankings, uh, 13 of their, of their current commits are, are, are ranked in the, in the top two, four, seven. Um, and that includes jumps from uh, Jalen Sneed from, I think 99 to 57 Um uh, Jadarian Price, who I think me and you both thought was going to jump up a lot uh, just off the senior season he was having. I think we talked about him a lot in our last podcast, I believe. Um, he went from 233 to 166. Uh, Ty Chan, uh, you know, an offensive tackle that I think we both agree has a, a ton of upside, uh, went from 236 to 124. Um, and then maybe the most surprising one, even though we, I think me and you, like I said, both agree. And when we had Tom Lloyd on for our podcast, you know, a few weeks back, um, he was crazy high on, on this kid, but Eli Raritan um, going from 292. So outside of the, of their top 247, all the way to number 64, um, you know, and, and now the number two ranked tight end in the entire class, um, which, Mayor was the number two ranked kid in the class as well. And he was ranked as a five-star, but I mean, that just goes to show you where, you know, how, how far Raritan moved up. I mean, he's getting into that Michael Mayer status at this point, or at the very least, you know, you're looking at a Cole Komet level, um, a level, you know, high school recruit. Yeah. That's two big, big time names to, to compare him to. But I remember watching Eli Raritan's tape and at the time, uh, people against stargazing and you know stars are the only thing that matters but when he committed to Notre Dame I want to say he was either a high three star or really low four star and so nobody was super excited against stargazing and just like oh you know not a big deal or whatever but this is a huge deal and you could see the talent on uh, on his tape and I think a lot of it comes down to his offense not utilizing him the way he could like if they just targeted him 
you know, 30 times a game. That's like 10 touchdowns. He's just a monster, and I can't wait to see what he can do at Notre Dame in a in an offense that prioritizes the tight end. And, man, uh, you, you'd hate to say next next Michael Mayer, but he he falls right in line with the, the tight end university, TEU kind of thing where Notre Dame just keeps churning him out. And I'm really excited to see what we have in Raritan. And Holden stays as well. He gets kind of lost in the mix, but he's a beast on his own account. Not necessarily number two tight end in the class, but he can certainly hold his own. Yeah, and if they land uh, Carson Tabarucci or Tabarachi out of Utah, um, you know he's another H back tight end type. So they're they're certainly tight end. You is I don't think going anywhere. <laughs> um, you know, and they certainly want to utilize it. I mean, I respect Tommy Reese for not just wanting to to you know with, withhold from all the standards and and try to be like this spread offense that just gets a bunch of fast guys and goes. I mean, I think he knows what Notre Dame's strengths are on the recruiting side of the ball. So while the offensive line and stuff like that is is down this year, I think he realizes that you know, offensive line, it, running tight ends are still going to be a big part of this, this uh, program moving forward. And so to recruit at a high level um, at those spots are, are what you want to do. And you don't want to just change your program because of one bad season. Um, and then I think the other thing is, is at least in regards to Eli Raritan is that it just stresses patience, um, you know, from a recruiting standpoint, people who follow it, like, like me and you do, and a couple of our friends do, like where it's an everyday thing, you're always checking, you know, message boards, you're, you're, you know, you're, you're following recruits on Twitter and stuff like that, you know, and it becomes, like I said, a part of your sort of everyday life and not just, you know, oh, they got a kid, you know, they got to commit, um, you know, and, you know, you didn't really know anything was happening per se. It, like you mentioned, when Raritan w- w- first committed to Notre Dame, he was a three-star kid and now he's the number two ranked player in their class. And so you, I think it's better to, to wait to see how recruiting unfolds and see where these final rankings go, see who offers kids. And then, and then on top of that, see what happens when they actually get on campus. Cause in reality, rankings are just rankings. Um, you know, the recruiting rankings, I guess, have showed in the past that, you know, the best teams have the best rankings. So you, you want to see that, but just because a kid commits to you as a three-star doesn't mean he's not going to end up a four-star and vice versa. So, you know, Eli Raritan's a good example of that, but Notre Dame has had several. I mean, Kyle Hamilton comes to mind as a three-star kid that ended up being, you know, look at him now, regardless of what he was ranked. I know, I, I know 24-7 ended up putting him as a five-star when it was all said and done. Um, and, and, you know, kudos to them for doing it because others didn't. Like in Rivals, I think he was a top 75 guy, but, but certainly I think that they're regretting that ranking. Um, at this point, because he's going to be a top five pick in the NFL draft. Right. And then, you know, like you said, stars are weird and people don't get excited about certain guys just because of their star. But for example, like Devin Moore, I feel like that's like everybody seems to agree that the, the kid's a stud, but at the same time won't or somebody won't move him up from three star status, which will be to their own peril. I think he could be a guy that contributes at Notre Dame day one. I know you've been high on him for a long time. Yeah. I mean, look at his offer list. I mean, he he has schools like Florida and Alabama, Florida state, I know is down, but, but those three programs are still trying hard to flip him. Um, I don't think it's going to happen, but you know, his recruitment actually reminds me of Kevin Stefferson. I know that's a sour subject for a lot of Notre Dame fans just because of uh, what could have been um, when he was, when he was in South Bend. But um, I remember, and you might, you might even be a little bit too young for this, but I remember when he was, when he was a Notre Dame commit or even a prospect before he committed 
there was the guys like Tom Loy and, and whoever was on the beat at the time were just so high on this kid. And it reminded me of, you know, the Eli Raritan and the Devin Moore. And I obviously Raritan has, has jumped up those rankings now, but one, one thing I'll give like guys like Tom Loy and stuff like that credit for is that because they follow the Notre Dame commits so well, I feel like they have an edge in, in ranking them or knowing if they're going to be good. I mean, Julian Love comes to mind as well. It, it seemed like that was a kid that everybody was on, even though his recruiting ranking never really reached what it could, what it should have been. You know, when you look at what he's done, what he did at the college level and now in the NFL ranks. Um, but, but more does remind me of those guys, like the Kevin Stephersons, the, the Julian Loves and, and stuff like that, that you just think day one, he's going to be a, a superstar maybe. Um, and, and like you mentioned, people are going to, are going to look back and, and, and wonder why they didn't rank him higher at the time. Right. And that's the, that's the thing about really listen to the guys that know who they're evaluating, know what kind of program they're going into, know the player, know the program. And that's why you trust a guy like Tom Loy who's rarely wrong. That's why we, I feel blessed to have him on the pod and he consider him a, a friend of ours really who uh, provides us with information sometimes. And is so we're so grateful to have him on and man, he's just such a good guy. And, he's right way more than he's wrong and just a, a great source for, for information. I couldn't, couldn't recommend him enough. He did great. at what he great at what he does. Yeah, absolutely. And we'll, we'll get him on here again soon. I, I, I think so. Um, all right, well, let's, let's get into a little bit of the USC game. We've gone about 35, 40 minutes here and we haven't even really talked about um, the game, but I think that's a good thing. We we've talked a lot about the Notre Dame program this year and we haven't maybe got gotten to, to dabble into recruiting, but um, obviously we, we've mentioned this several times now, but it's USC week, big week for, for Notre Dame, regardless of how down USC is, they don't even really have a head coach at the moment. Um, their, their recruiting might be kind of going into shambles. Uh, they just lost one of their top guys to, uh, to, to Georgia, actually, I think it was yesterday or maybe early this morning. Um, so that, that was a big loss to, for them, but, um, but yeah, I mean, we're, 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 we're going to probably talk about a lot of the same stuff. Uh, quarterback is still sort of a, a question mark of sorts. Let's see if uh, if this two-man – I mean, at least we have a little bit of clarity there. It doesn't look like Drew, Drew Pine is really involved anymore unless he has to be. Um, and I think Brian Kelly spoke to that uh, this week. He said if we have to throw Drew Pine in there, we will. Um, and they're not necessarily afraid to do so, but it, it looks like it's going to be the Jack Cohn-Tyler Buckner show moving forward. Um, probably Jack Cohn starting most weeks, if not all weeks. Um, and then you sprinkle in, uh, Tyler Buckner when it makes sense. Um, and I know that me and you were on, uh, Jack Leniard's podcast earlier this week, the, sl- the slant route. Um, so make sure you check that out. But one thing we mentioned, um, in that podcast was, um, this idea that, well, how do I, how do I phrase this here? That, when, when Buck, first of all, when Buckner's in the game, he, he needs to have sort of an open playbook. It can't be, it can't be this, we're going to Jack Cohn for three series. He, he sucks or something. And then we're going to bring in Buckner for just kind of a change of pace. There, there's got to be some, some creativity, I guess, maybe for lack of a better word. Um, in the playbook for him, playbook for him. And I think because he's processing more things, he's, he's a little bit more mature than he was maybe, you know, a few weeks back and he, a little bit more. Um, he, he's certainly someone I think who's capable of, of handling more of Tommy Reese's playbook. Um, and because of that, they might even be able to expand the playbook more than they can with Jack Cohn when he's in the game. 
Yeah, you have to imagine they worked on some things this week. I think sometimes the bye week is overrated in terms of, oh, we're going to fix all the issues. That's not really how it goes a lot of times. Um, So I think expanding the playbook is big for Buckner. I think he can handle more. I think they were trying to keep it simple for him in the beginning, get his feet wet in college football. Totally makes sense. But now it's time. Now it's kind of go time. And to your point, I I do wish that it wasn't so much a change of pace, but it is difficult to run a, a two quarterback set. But I'd like Buckner to be able to go into the game or even Pine for that matter, where it's not like, oh, my God, we're losing. Like, go fix this. Like, look what we didn't score points. And now we need you to go figure out the offense. Right. Um, it, it can't always be that way. I'd like them to have a, a fresh slate every once in a while. But um, things happen. I get it. I think Jack Cohn is it hurts to say, I think, because he's so frustrating to watch sometimes, which isn't totally his fault. But I think he is the right choice for now uh, with with some Buckner, of course, not just uh, it can't just be the Jack Cone show. And I think maybe even he knows that at this point, given the success of the offense uh, with Tyler Buckner in and the, the emergence of the run game when he when he makes an appearance in the game and he makes the defense think a little bit. So I would like to see the offense expand a little bit. And if you're going to do the stupid RPOs with Jack Cone, at least make him he's got to hold it or carry it at least once keep the defense honest even if he is a statue and can't run uh that that's what's driving me crazy i had to throw that in there but um i think we will see some different things from tommy reese i'm curious to watch how the first drive goes they say i think another thing that's a little bit overrated is the uh the scripting of the first drive but i want to see if he throws something else in if this looks the same as you know the offense that it was before i think i'll be a little bit disappointed but uh this won't be i don't think it'll be a, a huge test for Notre Dame this week they come out with a a hot start as I'm kind of anticipating I think this USC team could just end up rolling over yeah and I think it and and to your point with Jack Cohen on the RPOs I mean at the very least even if he's not going to run the ball do something different than just pretend like you're going to hand it off or you actually hand it off and then and, and then if you don't hand it off it ends up being a you know still elongated play uh of sorts and and it's and it's the same thing as if you were to just take the ball and, and, and not even do any sort of play action. So maybe some quick game involved in there, um, you know, at, at least to kind of mix up the RPO um, to an extent, roll them out, you know, for a couple of yards before he throws the ball. I, I don't know. Um, but I think what I was really getting at with the, with the Buckner stuff and you sort of uh, kind of got my brain rolling back on this was, and, and this is what I kind of mentioned in the, in the slant, the slant route prod, uh, podcast. It, I want the, the Buckner, cone like duo to feel more scripted than than bailout and and you and you kind of a um you know you kind of mentioned that with when when you were talking you know this idea that you know cone ends up sucking for a few drives so then it's like okay they're down 10 nothing 13 nothing like they have been over the last couple games and then it's like okay drew pine or tyler buckner go uh (laughs) go figure this out and win it and win it for us or get us back into the game i want it to be where you know, maybe Cone doesn't look great, but when Buckner goes in, it's not a bailout of sorts. It's legitimately, hey, we want to mix it up here, get the defense, put you know, make the defense honest. Maybe get them a little tired by going by going a little bit more quick, and them having to you know chase down Buckner, and then boom, you can hit him back with Cone, and then all of a sudden the pass rushers are are gassed and and so on and so forth, and they can't get to the quarterback as well, um, or or as fast. So. That, that's what I would love to see out of the duo. And I think in a perfect world, that's what the coaching staff wants to see as well. Yeah, I think so. And there's been some circumstances that haven't let them do that out. They're not, again, like I said earlier, they're not dumb. They know 
what works and what doesn't a hell of a lot better than the, than the coaches sitting on their couch at home. So um, I think that they're going to get it figured out. They, they don't want the three quarterback rotation that they prefer to not even have two, but that's kind of what this season is, has provided for them and they're making the best of it. Uh, I'm hoping to see some, some new wrinkles added in. I think that's, I'm sure we'll see something, um, but yeah, it, it gotta, it's gotta be better, I think. And I think it will be, I, I trust Tommy Reese and, he knows what it's like to play quarterback in Notre Dame. He knows what it's like to be in a, a two-quarterback system. He went through it with Everett Golson, and they made that successful. So there's no reason why he can't coach his way to success with that. Yeah. Yeah, no, absolutely. And, and I think we'll see some improved line play. Looks like they've kind of settled in on a on a new offensive line with Joe Alt and, and Christoffic taking over on the left side. Um, and then you have the the usual suspects from center on down to right tackle. Um, and in fairness to those guys, I think they've played a lot better over the last two weeks. Um, and that that and Patterson, Kane Madden, and, and Josh Lug, um, specifically specifically against Virginia Tech. Um, and then and then Joe Alt and Christophic, I think, offer a little bit more than than Baker and and Carell do um, on the left side, at least at this point um, in their careers. Um, or at least at this point in the season. So hopefully we can see that offensive line continue to improve to where maybe we can even consider them pretty good um, by by year's end. And then you're looking at hopefully a New Year's Six Bowl where everything's clicking on all cylinders, offensive line's playing well, the quarterback duo, you know, has their has their niche or, or their thing going, um, where Jack Cohn's playing well, Buckner's playing well, um, and then the defense continues to do to do their thing. Um, and, and, you know, you're probably going to see a lot better play out of the defense if the offense can, um, you know, can be better um, and, and be a nice compliment to them. Because as far as I'm concerned, I'm pretty sure the, the I, I, at least I think the defense has gotten a little bit of a bad rap this year simply because they've had to, to bail the offense out too many times. Well, yeah, and the, and the offense has put them in bad situations, with, whether it's turnovers or the scoreboard looks bad because of a pick six or whatever. Uh, I think the defense has been great uh, bar the first two weeks where they were getting adjusted to, to Freeman's system. And I, I don't, I don't necessarily give it a pass because you had the, the off season for that, but at the same time, it, it's continued to show improvement. You lost three linebackers and you've seen continual growth in, in every position group. So I'm excited to see what the second half holds for the defense. I think Marcus Freeman's a hell of a coordinator and, could be a head coach at a lot of places. So he's got it figured out. And I, I think he's getting to know his personnel more and their tendencies, how they succeed, where they don't necessarily succeed. So we're going to see more. It's going to be better. I'm excited. Yeah, absolutely. And like I mentioned, if the offense plays well, it's only going to help the defense in general. So let's hope, absolutely. let's hope that happens. Um, all right, Mason, I know you came up with this idea, but, but let, let's hit us with the, uh, the buy or sell uh, for this week. And yeah, then we'll, some, we'll make this a weekly trend. action. Yeah, so I came up with three three questions for buy or sell. I, I'm going to have us both answer them, but I'll go ahead and read them one by one. First one, I, I think a lot of people are, are anticipating a high-scoring game, potentially from both sides with the firepower that USC provides. It'll always recruit the quarterback and skill positions, uh, receivers specifically at a high level. Um, Notre Dame has shown the capability to score a lot of points just because they've kind of had to at, in certain circumstances. But, Nathan, my question to you Buy or sell 35 total points for Notre Dame against USC? I'm going to buy that one. Um, like you mentioned, I think this this is going to be one of their better offensive performances. Certainly their best one, I think, since Florida State. 
Um, and, you know, I, I don't know if I'm going to say it's going to click on all cylinders per se, but I, but I do think, you know, maybe there's a defensive touchdown in there as well to, to kind of help that, that five points um, or, or to reach that 35 points. But uh, I'm going, I'm going by on that. And I think it will be, you know, I think Notre Dame might actually get into the forties here. You feel a little pick six action on the defense. You're going to call your shot now. If it's not a, if it's not a pick six, it's certainly going to be like an interception or something like that, that, or, or a turnover that, that puts them in, that puts the offense, you know, in the red zone uh, right away that, you know, you can essentially attribute those points to the defense for sure. I think, I think they're taking the opening kickoff back to the house. Pretty sure I can feel it. Chris Tyree, huh? Yep. Um, okay. Question number two, over under Jack Cone three total touchdowns. So this is a little bit of an interesting one considering the Buckner dynamic, especially in the red zone. Uh, Jack Cone three total touchdowns. I'm going to go under. Um, I do like the idea of Buckner in the red zone. I think that that's somewhere where you can really utilize his strengths as a player. Um I'm going to go – and the, the main reason I'm going to go under here is I do think Jack Cohn's going to play one of his better games um, this season. Uh, I'm going to go under partly because you're going to have probably some rushing touchdowns in there with Kyron Williams, Chris Tyree, Lo- Logan Diggs. Uh, you got to get those guys involved, and I think it might be one of the better rushing games uh, of the season as well. Um, and then and then I think you're like, – like you mentioned, you're probably going to see some – when Buckner gets in there, maybe you have some drives where they, where they where they're able to score when he's at quarterback. So um, I think it will look a lot better for Jack Cohn, but with this, hopefully at least from what I'm reading into it, uh, hopefully being a, a true two QB system, I think it's going to be hard for Buckner to get three total touchdowns. I forgot to mention, I am buying Notre Dame 35 total points and I am also going to buy Jack Cohn three touchdowns. I think he's going to get three through the air in rather quick fashion. Um, I think Notre Dame is going to be able to run the ball, but I think he's going to be able to uh, to put a couple away and put USC away quickly. I, I'm not a believer in USC. I think that uh, Notre Dame might handle them pretty easily. Third question, Nathan, you mentioned Notre Dame potentially being able to run the ball with success in this game. Kyron Williams over 100 yards rushing. This isn't total yards, just 100 yards rushing by herself. Oh man, that's a tough one. I, I want to buy it. I don't think it's like I said. I think the rushing attack will be better, or the running game will be better. Um, I'm not sold that it will be like some crazy improvement. Where we're like, oh my gosh, the offensive line in the running game is fixed. Um, right. But I, but I think Williams is going to break like a big one. Not necessarily like the 97 yarder or something like that. But I think it's you know maybe Clemson esque, or you know just like. The the one I think who did he do it against? I think it was Toledo, um, where he had he had the big one, you know, in the oh, early, yeah, 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 early yeah. second half or whatever it was, like something like that, where it's like a good like forty plus fifty plus yarder, um, and maybe he gets in the end zone, maybe he doesn't on that on that run, but he's gonna break one that essentially will make it easier for him to get over the one hundred yard marker. Yeah, I think I'm with you. Uh, I think it's a definite buy of 100 total yards because I think he's going to be able to tear them up and end the receiving game. I am going to buy. I'm it's your buy, man. Buy. It's your buy or sell. Are we going to total yards or are we going rushing yards? Figure it out. Oh, it's, it's rushing because it makes it more difficult. <laughs> but I'm, yeah, I'm going for the triple buy, I think, which won't always be the case because I'm not necessarily the most optimistic all the time. But 
I, I don't know. There's some there's some sort of vibe where I just feel like this is I hate the term get right game, but this this is a get right game for Notre Dame. I think they're going to score 40, 50 points and the offense is going to hit. I, I'm excited. Awesome. Awesome. And one thing we've done the last and we'll get out of here here shortly. But one thing we did, I think, at least early on in the season, I know we missed a few I missed a few podcasts. Be, um, you know, just like I said, life gets in the way. Um, but I still want to do our kind of our bold predictions and. and predictions as well but i think i have a feeling on what your bold prediction might be because you mentioned the whole jack cone you know three three plus touchdowns and you even mentioned an opening kickoff touchdown so go ahead and give me your bold prediction then i'll give you mine well i've i think i've said this before and i think i'm just gonna stick with it i i (laughs) I know where you're going (laughs) i want a freshman wide receiver to score a touchdown so bad so i'm gonna go with lorenzo styles is gonna score a touchdown this week i think Joe Wilkins out. I think Lorenzo Styles had a chance with his bye week to to really get himself ingrained into the roster. I need it to happen so I can stop saying it because otherwise I'm just going to keep repeating it. I don't care if it's Colsey Styles. It could be Jaden Thomas. I don't care. I, I'm going <laughs> to go with Styles though. Styles touchdown. Okay. You know what? I'm going to go with some does score. Um, not Tyler Buckner because that'd be too obvious. But I'm going to say that Logan Diggs gets one on the ground. Yeah, give us all the young guy touchdowns. Uh, I think that makes sense. I think it's one that specifically under Brian Kelly, you've seen running backs get their get their touchdowns even early on in the season. I, mean, I remember what was it a couple of years ago where where Josh Adams had two touchdowns in his first game at Notre Dame or something like that. And um, so yeah, with with Logan Diggs, I think now kind of in the rotation. Who knows if Chris Tyree's fully healthy? I think he's going to play. Um, but we might see some more Logan Diggs because of his uh, because of his foot or turf toe, whatever it is. Um, so yeah, I'm gonna say he p- punches in like a goal line touchdown, and and he gets that first, um, you know, wide receiver position touchdown um, as a freshman. So, um, what about game prediction for you, Mason? Well, first I'll, I'll love that if, if Diggs does score because I I think that's huge getting a young guy action, getting him his first touchdown. I feel like that's a, a monkey off the back, a big weight off the shoulders for a freshman. Especially against to, USC. Right, and score a touchdown in front of a, a huge crowd and get that off your shoulders. You don't have to think about it anymore. Man, I want to get my first touchdown. Make it happen, get her done. Okay, score prediction. I'm going to go 49-21. I, think that, I really think this is a, a whooping. Yeah. No, I think – and I, you know, and I – I think 21 is a good number for USC because I still think that they're going to be able to put up some points. Um, you know, they have Keaton Slovis is still a, a good college quarterback. They have, they always have receivers. Drake London is a, is a hell of a guy. I mean, they, they uh, top notch wide receiver talent. So I think they're going to be able to put up some points, but I, I do agree with you. I think Notre Dame is, this one's not going to be close in the end. Um, you know, I don't know if I, if I'm, on the 49-21 Notre Dame will will put it away quickly uh bandwagon but I'm gonna go 42 to 20 um and I say that it's it's a closer game at halftime but Notre Dame it looks good on offense and defense for the most part and then in the second half they kind of put them away um like they did uh, many times um in the last couple of years where they just kind of that second half was really the uh the half where they where they put teams away yeah yours is definitely more realistic and yours is probably much more likely to happen I'm feeling really optimistic and I haven't about a Notre Dame game in a while 
hopefully it's not misguided. Um, the, the Vegas line is only six and a half, so I might responsibly gamble on that. Um, should irresponsibly. Do that. Yeah. What's that? I said irresponsibly, but it's okay. Right. It's dumb <laughs> to do that for your team. But, I mean, I don't know. I, I think I have to. I think Notre Dame wins by easily by more than a touchdown. Also, you mentioned the Notre Dame or the USC skill, skill group, specifically the receivers. Do they? Do you think – this is another thing I've noticed with Ohio State running backs. Do you think USC – only recruits guys based on how cool their name is. Drake London has to be the coolest name ever. <laughs> uh, it's certainly, yeah, they, they definitely get some good ones. I mean, Amon Ross St. Brown uh, is a hell of a name as well. Juju. Um, they've had in the back. Yeah. Juju Smith Schuster. So yeah, they've had some, they've had some really good ones. Uh, I can't deny that. <laughs> I just like that for some reason. I don't know. Just like, uh, was it steel chambers at, at Ohio State's running back, like what even or, is that? That's or so Master cool. Teague. Oh, you're right. Like, what is what? I don't know. I, I, it's cool. Yeah. No, absolutely. Yeah. There's there's some good names. I think Notre Dame has has had some guys roll through with uh, part of the name bandwagon as well, though. Well, yeah. If you have a good name, then you're like twice as likely to be successful. I think. Oh yeah, hundred <laughs> percent. All right, guys. Well, well, we're gonna wrap up here as always. Um, I'm your co-host uh, Nathan. You can find me on Twitter at Nathan uh, underscore Erbach. You can find Mason um, at Mason Plumber underscore. Again, that's P L U M M E R uh, for Plumber. Um, so Mason Plumber underscore. Uh, follow us on you know anywhere you can find your podcast. You can listen to it there. Uh, we're on Anchor. Um, so make sure you, you give us a, a follow um, on Anchor if you don't if you don't have a, a podcast network of sorts. So, um, but again, uh, we will uh, we'll be here next week to to cut to kind of cover um, post USC and take you into the to the North Carolina game as well. Any closing thoughts, Mason? Hopefully, some good news with visits. Maybe some maybe some commitments. Who knows? Yeah, absolutely. That's one thing. Like I mentioned a couple times, or you know, a couple times in the podcast so far is. One thing you're missing with with visits is that sometimes that comes with uh, commitments, maybe not right away. Maybe there's a silent commitment or two that, you know, that will uh, maybe we can expand upon that. But uh, certainly that's definitely something to look forward to as well. Let's do it. Yep. Um, thanks for listening, everybody. We appreciate it. Make sure you follow us on all platforms. And uh, yeah, be, be sure to be tuned in for the next episode. You should be jam packed just like this one. We appreciate you listening. All right. Rate and review. See you guys next week.